Deuteronomy chapter 5. We're finishing the book of the chapter, Deuteronomy 5 today. There's a whole lot more to the book. I would encourage you to read the rest of it, but we're just, we're just going to stop with chapter 5. So stand with me as we read Deuteronomy 5, 22 through 33. This is the word of God. And it will change your life. These words the Lord spoke to all your assembly at the mountain out of the midst of the fire, the cloud, and the thick darkness with a loud voice, and he added no more. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to me. And as soon as you heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders, and you said, Behold, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and greatness. And we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. This day we have seen God speak with man, and man still live. Now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore, we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that has heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and has still lived? Go near and hear all that the Lord our God will say and speak to us all that the Lord our God will speak to you and we will hear and do it. And the Lord heard your words when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard the words of this people which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart as this always to fear me and to keep all my commandments that it might go well with them and with their descendants forever. Go and say to them, return to your tents. But you stand here by me and I will tell you the whole commandment and the statutes and the rules that you are to teach them, that they may do them in the land that I am giving them to possess. You shall be careful, therefore, to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may go well with you and that you that you may live long in the land that you shall possess. Pray with me. Father, these are your words. Speak through a stumbling preacher. Speak through hardened hearts and closed ears. Speak through our weaknesses, our pride. Overcome every barrier and every obstacle to your word and do what you want it to do. In Christ's name, we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, I got, I've got to be honest with you. I feel inadequate this morning. I feel completely and totally inadequate. I used to not feel that way. I used to feel just the opposite. I used to be proud. Um, I used to hold my head up high and think, I can do that. I can do anything. Alexander Solzhenitsyn in his Gulag Archipelago says that pride uh, gathers in the heart like lard on a pig. And let's just say I had a little too much lard in my younger days. I am learning, and it's still ongoing, that I am not nearly 
as good as I once thought I was. I'm, I'm inadequate. The things that I try to do are mediocre at best. Sometimes I'm decent at something. Sometimes, sometimes I say something that's really good. Sometimes I do something and it's point on. Carrie can testify that sometimes I can't even get one thing done without another problem and then trying to fix that problem, another problem. There's been times when a 10-minute job or, or the, a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, great example. I got to mow the yard. I pull out the mower, it won't crank. Again. This is, how my, this is how my yard work schedule goes. I try to use it. I can't use it. So I spend a bunch of time trying to get it up to the point of using it. Uh, and sometimes I get it to the point of using it and it doesn't work for very long. And then other times I get it. I, I think I get it to that point. I'm almost there. And then something else goes wrong. While I'm trying to take the battery off to take it up the hill to the car to charge up the battery again because it's a low battery, wouldn't you know it? I drop one little nut. And of course, it's one of the nuts that attaches the battery on. And so without that nut, that core, it's going to come off the battery. The thing's going to die on me. I've got to have that nut. And I'm looking in the dirt and, and I've got uh, that part of the yard is dirt and it's leaves and uh, that bolt has fallen somewhere in there and I cannot find it for anything. I'm looking in the mower. Maybe it let, landed on something. I can't find it in there. I look all over the ground. I'm looking with, with my phone's flashlight trying to find it. I'm moving things around. I can't find it. She's looking for it. She can't find it. So now this, this job of mowing the grass has become fixing the battery to mow the grass has become looking for this bolt in order to reattach the battery so that I can mow the grass. I am inadequate. Have you ever felt that way? I'm not the only one. That makes me feel a little better. And my dad was a mechanic too. I ought to know what I'm doing with this kind of stuff. But alas, I am inadequate. And aren't we all? We try to do something and man, we screw it up. Sometimes it's things like that that are funny afterwards, but not during. Sometimes it's really important stuff. God has spoken in the book of Deuteronomy. And this wasn't the first time that he had spoken. Remember, this is all a repeat from Exodus. Exodus 20 is the original Ten Commandments. This is just Moses repeating everything that God has said. And now in this new context of repeating these words, the word that comes to my mind is inadequate because look, well, look, you can hear the inadequacy of the people of Israel. Verse 23, as soon as you heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And you said, Behold, the Lord our God has shown us His glory and greatness, and we have heard His voice out of the midst of the fire. This day we have seen God speak with man, and man still live. Now therefore, why should we die? 
Look at the glory and brightness of God. We're looking at this mountain and it's burning with fire and smoke is covering it and, and we can't see anything on it. And we're hearing God speak and even hearing you, Moses, tell us about this event. It's still enough that we find enough of the glory of God that we don't want to die. For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore, we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that has heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and has still lived? Moses, we are inadequate to hear another word from God. So you go. You, you hear God's words and mediate them to us because we're inadequate to stand before God ourselves. Have you ever felt inadequate? Maybe some of us need to feel inadequate more often. This morning, I feel like I get the point. We are unworthy to even hear God's voice. When's the last time you just bowed on your knees and said, I'm sorry? When's the last time you prostrated your heart and just said, God, I don't deserve any of this? That's why our country's in the shape it's in. There's a reason that I'm preaching this just before I start a series on what revival really is and what we need to do to prepare ourselves for God to move. And it's because it really starts here. It starts when we are inadequate. God tells Paul, Paul is praying, I've got this thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what it was. There have been speculations. Doesn't really matter. Paul is suffering through this, and in his view, if he could just get rid of it, if God would just take it away, then he would have the strength to serve God as much as he wants to, as, as, as much as he knows that God would want to serve him. He thinks, if I could just get rid of this, if God, you would just take it away, then I could have so much more ability to serve you. And God says, no, 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 you're missing the point. The point isn't for you to be strong enough. My strength is made perfect in your weakness, Paul. And what he's saying is that you don't have to be strong enough. We want to be strong enough. We want to be able to do it. We want to be able to allow ourselves, especially us as guys. You know how frustrating it is to lose that bolt and not be able to fix the battery so you can mow the grass? You know how, you know how frustrating that is? I want to fix it. I want to get it done. But when it comes to God's economy, I can't get it done. I'm inadequate for what he wants me to do. You think that I'm good enough to stand here and proclaim his word? Because I sure don't. Do you think that you're good enough to do the things that God asks of you? Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden's light, but it's because you're hitched up to him. He's bearing all the weight. We're inadequate. You go to put on that yoke by yourself and pull that load, that burden is way too heavy. You were never meant to pull it alone. We are inadequate for what God wants us to do. And you hear it throughout this. In fact, 
God even says so himself. Verse 29. Oh, that they had such a heart as this always. I wish they were always this way. They're inadequate. And that's just how I want them. Because it's when we're inadequate that God's strength can shine through. We've been reading the book Experiencing God as a men's group, uh, Henry Blackaby and Claude King. And they write in this book that, that God isn't calling you to do what you can do. They talk about the fact that, that we often look at things like spiritual gifts and we look at them as things that God gives us these gifts. So uh, if God gives you the gift of mercy, then obviously your ministry has to do with mercy because that's your gift. And so God gives it to you so you can do those kinds of things. And while it might be true that God gives you that gift to use in certain ways, we often look at the things that we're not very good at and we say, well, I guess I don't do those things. I'm low on evangelism, so I guess I don't need to evangelize. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe if it's like a real easy situation, maybe I'll tell them about Jesus, but that's not really my gift, so I don't have to worry about that. God's not calling me to be an administrator because he didn't give me that gift. Oh, <laughs> I'm not gifted to teach. I'm sorry, Pastor. I would love to teach that Sunday school class. And, and I, I just, I, I would love it, but God didn't gift me there. So I'm so sorry. Can I be honest with you? If you think spiritual gifts are just God's way of saying, this is what I want you to do, then you've misunderstood the gift. Because it's not the administration and it's not the mercy and it's not the preaching or the teaching or whatever it happens to be. That's not the gift. The Spirit is the gift. God gives us His Holy Spirit to do what He wants us to do. We don't have to be adequate because He is adequate. He's more than adequate. And with His Spirit living inside of me, I don't have to be enough. You know how freeing that is? I, but, um, someone asked me, uh, we were in a group and someone, uh, they were talking about sharing our faith and they asked each of us to share just a short little bit of how we could share our faith with someone, just a couple of minutes of description of what God has done uh, uh, to tell an unbeliever. And I said, I said, I spent so many years of my life trying to be good enough until one day God showed me I didn't have to be good. And of course, everybody cracked up because it sounded like, oh, well, you can just be bad. Okay, you know, no, that, and that wasn't what I meant, obviously. What I meant was I put all the pressure on me when in reality I needed to trust him. And then when I learned, when I learned that it wasn't all about me, that it's not my strength, my ability, my work doing it, it's God working through me, it's God doing the work in and through me. When I learned that, man, that's liberating. Talk about a light burp. Man, that was so much lighter than the burden I was carrying. I was totally inadequate. These people of Israel are totally inadequate and they know it. Boy, do they know it. And so they asked Moses, you go hear the word of God and whatever God says we'll do. And God says to Moses, they're exactly right. I just wish they always felt this way. I just wish that my people would always feel so dependent on me, so inadequate to do it on their own, because his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So God tells Moses, go tell them to go back to their tents. Just go home, 
rest, I'll give you the words. I'll show you the commandments. I'll open it up to you. And then you can share with them. But I want to draw your attention to verse 32. You shall be careful, therefore, to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Now, I've spent all sermon telling you you are inadequate. How in the world are we going to perfectly do what God tells us to do? See, because there's really only two kinds of people. There are those who follow God. And they don't follow God because they're good enough. They follow God because they trust God to be good enough. And they just do what he says. But then there's another type of person. It's the person that says, I, I, I'll do it myself. I want to be the kind of person that follows God. The kind of person who is oh, okay with my own inadequacy because I know that God will work through it. I know that God will work in spite of it. I know that God will do the work in me that he wants to do through me. And the first thing I notice here is that the command, because this is a command, you shall be careful. You don't accidentally do what God wants you to do. It's got to be intentional. A former professor I had said, you don't drift into evangelism. Take evangelism out and just, just obedience. Because the same thing is true with anything God tells us to do. You don't drift into obedience to God. It doesn't just happen by mistake. You're not Inspector Gadget. Y'all ever, ever see Inspector Gadget? Do you remember? Inspector Gadget just barely avoids so many problems, just kind of by accident. He, he is, he's going to do something, and he says, oh, my shoe's untied. He bends down, and something swipes across that was going to completely wipe him out. But he ducks it just the right time. He just has that great look, Right? He avoids so many different problems just by happenstance. That's not how you follow God. If you're going to truly follow God, first of all, you've got to be completely inadequate to and trusting Him. Secondly, you've got to actually try to follow God. You've got to actually do what He calls you to do. But I don't, I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, how about we just take the commands and we just follow those for a while until it's clear what He wants us to do. I mean, God has spoken. We know God has spoken. Several times in this passage, we've already read. This is what God spoke. God spoke. We heard God speak. We heard His voice. We know God has spoken. There's no doubt that the Ten Commandments are commanded by God. So why don't we just do those? Why don't we start with having no other gods before Him? Why don't we start with no images? Why don't we start with not taking His name in vain? Start with keeping the Sabbath day. Why don't we start with honoring father and mother, with not murdering, not committing adultery, not stealing, not bearing false witness, not coveting? Why don't we start there? And as we're following God and what we know he has said, we can pray for wisdom to know what to do about a particular circumstance. Why don't we just begin with what we already know he said? When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. But it takes intentionality. Jesus shows us, and we've seen as we've looked at each of these commandments, that it's not just an action we do, it's, it's a matter of the heart. Start there. Murder starts with anger. Adultery starts with lust. Stealing starts with greed. We've got to deal with those. Let's start there. 
Let's do what God has already told us to do. I wonder how much, how much easier it would be for God to move among his people if we just obeyed what we know he's already said. We keep acting like God has hidden something from us and we just got to get this one more command of God. That we just, we just got to hear what God wants us to do about this one particular thing and, and everything relies on that. When in the, most of the time, we're not doing what he's already said. Maybe the reason God hasn't brought revival yet to this church, to this country, maybe the reason he hasn't is because his people won't do what he's already told them to do. You have to be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. It doesn't happen by accident. Then he says, you shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. I am, you know what strikes me about this? We talk about political parties, we talk about right and left. You know, neither one of them, neither one of them is holy. I think of it like a balance beam. And I, I not, not politics, but following God like a balance beam. As long as you're on the beam, you're fine. But if you start to go a little bit this way, you're going to fall. And if you start to lean a little this way, you're going to fall. You've got to stay balanced. When God gives us commands, it's not how can we improve this? What, what do we need to do to make this even better? It's not, are you really sure about that? I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't look very smart. What in the world are you telling? That just sounds weird. Would you just walk on the balance beam? Would you just put one foot directly in front of the other? Keep your balance down that beam. Again, I'm inadequate. My feet were not made to walk on a balance beam. I'm not very coordinated. You didn't have to laugh at that, Carrie. I have, I have this tool. It's a stud finder. So naturally, I put it against myself with the button on so that it finds the stud. But it also has a laser leveler. And you turn it on, it shoots a laser out of both sides, and it'll, it'll automatically level. So once you get one spot, you've got a straight line across the wall that you can use to put other spots. God can be that auto leveler. When you're leaning to one side, if you'll let him, he will, he will level you back out. He will bring you back into balance. He will show you how you're drifting a little too far on this or how this doctrine isn't quite what I said in that verse. I don't mean you can do everything because God's giving you strength. I mean you can do everything I tell you to do because God's giving you strength. He can do that if you let him level you out. Bring it right. Help you get that bubble right between those lines so you know that that corner is square, so you know that that beam is level, so you know that what you're doing is dead on. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. There's a verse in Isaiah, and I can't remember what the passage is, but a couple years ago it was a VBS theme. And when you turn to the right or to the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. That's God's Spirit doing what you're inadequate to do. A small child can't concentrate on one thing. You got to keep them focused. God's Spirit needs to keep us focused. We're inadequate. We can't do all this. 
It takes God working in us to do all this. Verse 33, you shall walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you. I can't do that. I'm not good enough. That's that's the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because of Christ, because of his sacrificial work on the cross, and then being a boss over death and rising from the grave, because he does that, because he lives the perfect life, dies the perfect death, rises in a perfect resurrection, he enables me to live out the law. He enables me to do what God has called me to do. When I am inadequate, He is strong enough. And and I don't have to be enough because He is. I don't have to be good enough because He's good enough. Good enough for Him and me. I don't have to be perfect. I can't be perfect. He is perfect. And because His strength is perfect in my weakness, I can trust Him and know that He will be adequate. In fact, not only will he be adequate, he'll be abundant in me. I go from inadequate to overflowing because of the work of Jesus Christ in me. You might not know this Jesus that kind of way. You might have thought Jesus is just someone who would get you out of hell. I'm going to tell you, if he's not your Lord, he's not your Savior. He's not interested in getting you out of hell. He's interested in getting you right with God. And yet, one of the perks is you get out of hell. That's a nice thing. That's not the main thing. The main thing is for you to live according to God's commands. And the only way you do that, the only way you walk that straight, narrow path is by the work of God in you, through you. The only way we respond obediently to God is by Him doing the work in us. And boy, what a great product of that. In 33, there are five times the word that is used. Now, that can be used in two different ways. That can be a modifier. It can describe a certain object. So, for example, look in verse 33. The first time it comes up, you shall walk in all the way that the Lord your God commanded you. So, this, that, is describing the way. You will walk in all the way. All what way? The way that the Lord your God has commanded you, okay? The last that is the same kind of that. Look at the end. In the land that you shall possess. What land? The land I'm giving you. The land that you're going to possess, okay? This, that, describes the land. The first that describes the way, okay? But the other three that's are a different kind of that. Y'all following me? It's getting kind of odd here. The other three that's are more like so that. They give reasons. They give explanations that carry on the point. Why do we walk in the way that the Lord our God has commanded us. First, that we may live. Second, that it may go well with you. Third, that you may live long in the land. God wants 
to give us blessings that he can only give when we are obedient. Now, I am not the prosperity gospel preacher that if you just sow a seed of faith into this ministry, it's not what I'm saying. If you just have enough faith, sorry, I have to do it in that voice. I don't know why. But I am saying that God cannot bless you with the fullness of his blessing, which, by the way, is himself, not the stuff. But God cannot bless you with the fullness of his blessing until you do what he said. God will not give you the fullness of his spirit in power and in might, working in and through your life until you will do what he's commanded you to do. Oh, he'll be there. He puts his spirit within you, but you're rejecting it. Until you obey God, you won't know what it means to be led by his spirit. But when you obey him, when you just do what he's calling you to do, in his power, he'll do the work that you could have never dreamed possible. There's two kinds of people. Some obey God. They trust him and they say, God, I don't know how I can do this. All I know is that you're calling me to do it. You're empowering me to do it with your spirit. I'm going to do it. And there's those who say, no, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Maybe, I'm, maybe it's good things. And it's not what God wants me to do. Maybe it sounds like something God would want me to do, but it's not what he's telling me. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do and ask God to bless it. And guess what happens? You lose the daggum nut off the bolt that holds the battery in and you can't do anything else until you find that nut. You'll get nowhere spiritually. Worse off, you'll be inadequate. God hasn't called us to be perfect or to even be good enough. He's just called us to be obedient, church. Will you do what he wants you to do? God, you're leading us this morning. Do what you want through us. Don't, don't let us give you the excuse of I can't do that or my back's not strong enough. Don't let us give you the excuse of I've already paid my dues. I've done it. I've done everything I need to do. Don't let us give you the excuses. I don't have time. I got to be at work. Don't let us give you any excuse. God, just, just help us obey. Give us the strength we need to do what you're calling us to do. Would you be enough when we are inadequate? Father, would you be enough? Thank you for being enough. Lead us in this time. In Christ's name, amen.